0: Hello, 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 and cha-cha-cha one more time. (laughs) Hi friends, this is Alex Townsend, and this is once again your new favorite podcast, The Aspie Files, coming to you from once again our bedroom (laughs) here in our beautiful studios here in Fort Myers, Florida, and I just want to say, hello, how are you? How are you all treating yourself? I think a little explanation is in order, uh, because some of you probably read on social media that I was um, sick as a dog last week, and I kind of want to explain everything about that as we go into another episode of the Aspie Files. And uh, anyway, so what happened was, um, we did our show on Monday night, our podcast, and You know, I stopped a couple of times to just hydrate, and I was coughing a lot. But, you know, I assumed it was just a sore throat, and I was going to come out of it just fine. But, um, no, what happened was Tuesday morning, um, a friend of mine uh, who's very nicely been driving me to work. um, He he drove us to work, and I got some cough drops thinking, okay, I'll probably get these cough drops, and I'm going to – find a way to talk for eight you know damn hours to customers about their cars um and I'm thinking I'm gonna find a way to do it somehow but uh what happened was about two hours into it I just completely lost my voice I literally had nothing left um but yeah so it was it was kind of annoying and it was kind of weird at the same time and so I came home that afternoon and my wife, uh, God bless, God bless Jen. She um, set up the bed, and she um, had orange juice for me and ginger ale, and sanitized the entire kitchen and this bedroom. And um, I was on bed rest essentially for two days. So, so Tuesday and Wednesday, I didn't really leave the house. I just didn't. But. Luckily, um, I made a pretty full recovery and then Jen got a minor illness as well. Um, but by Saturday, luckily she was feeling much better. I, I gotta say, um, there is no substitute for plenty of, plenty of orange juice and lots of DayQuil and lots of NyQuil. I will say that, you know, little thing about DayQuil, I'll tell you, I was just watching a segment, um... That CBS Sunday did about Trey Parker and Matt Stone, the creators of South Park, and for people that are super fans of the sh- super fans of the show. And by the way, the show is in its 25th season, so congratulations to Trey and Matt. Um, I saw in this segment that CBS Sunday did a profile on Trey and Matt years ago. That you know the way they make the show, unlike The Simpsons, which they that show takes months, months to prepare. Same with Family Guy. South Park, they do it all in a week. They literally, they have 10, 12 hour days. And then the last day, Tuesday night, they stay all night until Wednesday the next morning when it's due to, com- the episode's due to Comedy Central. And Trey, they were in Trey's office and Trey showed uh, the correspondent um, that he was chugging DayQuil to stay awake. I went, You can chug that to stay awake. I didn't know that, but I don't know. Maybe it's, uh, maybe, maybe he didn't have a good effect on Mountain Dew. I don't know. But, um, yeah. So I want to say that I'm fine. Jennifer's fine. We don't have COVID, you know, and I'll also say this, um, we got to get our boosters soon. Yeah, we need to. Um, we've just been working so much that we just need to make the time to get an appointment with, um, our local publics and go get those shots. And I would recommend that to anyone. Please, please get your boosters. Please get vaccinated because um, we got to start living our lives again. And that means taking responsibility for our own health. We need to start doing that. It's not the time to be selfish, ladies and gentlemen. I've said that on this podcast since the beginning. I will continue to say that. Please take care of your health. Please get your 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 shots. Please please wear a mask in public. If you are sick, please stay home. I should have known better. I just didn't. But luckily, luckily I was it was just a cold and I was on bed rest for 2 days and that's it. And then I was back to work Thursday and um <laughs> I was prepared for it and I got a I got a new desk too, which is really great. I they moved my 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 team leader moved my desk a little closer to him, which was really great, and to his other team leader, um, who's a, a wonderful, wonderful human being, my friend Rebecca, who's a wonderful human, Rebecca, who's a wonderful human being. Um, I always call her Beck sometimes, but Rebecca is a very sweet human being and very helpful and, you know, just... There's something to be said about having good leaders that you work with, that you look up to, that you admire. And want to be like. There's something to be said about that. And Cal and Rebecca are those people for me. So thank you guys for your support. Thank you so much for that. But the main reason that Jennifer and I were happy that we felt better on Saturday was because one of my musical heroes came to town on Saturday. Now, it'll lead into um, a little debate that's been going on, you know, I think, about country music. The 90s put out some really great country music. But who's the best country artist of the 90s, in my my opinion? So many artists. Is it Alan Jackson? Is it Clint Black? Is it Garth Brooks? Is it Travis Tritt? No. The answer, by far for me, is Dwight Yoakam. (laughs) Jennifer and I got to see Dwight Yoakam at Barbara B. Mann Performing Arts Hall this past Saturday night. And we had... A ball. Oh my god, did Jennifer have the time of her life? Oh my god. And I gotta say, the opening act, Dwight was very nice with that opening act, act. The Rob Linus band, it was like three guys a guitar player, a bass player, and a drummer. I kid you not, these guys are like somewhere across between Waylon Jennings and probably Van Halen, a rat. <laughs> You know, just the way their guitar riffs were like, I was like, whoa, what is this? Oh, yeah. But um, no, no, they were great. They were really great. And um, just their songs were pure country with large doses of just rock and roll. I would call them outlaw country by far. Absolutely. Outlaw country. I don't know where Dwight found these guys, but I'm glad he did. And Dwight let them go for 75 minutes. I was singing... You know, with Dwight being the big name he is, I'm thinking, yeah, he'll let these guys go for 30 minutes, maybe 45. No, these guys went for an hour and 15 minutes. And I went, you know, but my other theory is Dwight's probably, you know, with his wife, Emily, and with their one and a half year old son, Dalton. So probably trying to get Dalton to sleep. Dwight's probably like, well, let those guys go a little bit longer if they want to. So, you know, I um, I'm, I'm very glad Dwight did. And then Dwight took the stage around 9, I want to say 9.30, he took the stage. And, you know, just rocked the house for two hours. And he was absolutely fantastic. An hour and a half, two hours, whatever the time it was. But Dwight just owned that stage from the minute he got on there, as he always has. And he did, his opening song really, really moved me. Uh, I was very surprised he picked this song. He picked Keep on the Sunny Side, which is a family, a song by the Carter family, which they recorded in 1928. You guys know that song goes, um, keep on the sunny side, always on the sunny side, keep on the sunny side of life. It will help us every day. It will brighten all the way. If we'll keep on the sunny side of life. And, you know, Dwight took this beautiful song that was written in 1899 and was recorded, you know, in in 1928 by the Carter family. And it's now 2022. And Dwight took that song with his band. And turn the volume up, the amps up, to about volume 18 or 19. It was just... Oh, I loved it. I thought... I have never seen this... I've, I've seen Dwight do this before. He did it on his uh, 2015 album, uh, Secondhand Heart, with the um, standard I'm a Man of Constant Sorrow from Our Brother Where Art Thou. And I was like, I'm not surprised at least by it, but Dwight did a fabulous job on it. It was just absolutely wonderful. And... He brought some country music to uh, Barbara man when it was desperately needed, and they had one guy in the band that plays the steel guitar and the fiddle and the organ, yeah, um, or keyboard, whichever you prefer. Um, yeah, another guy in the band that plays the guitar and the mandolin, and the end another guy in the band that plays bass, and then you got one guy who um, plays the drums. And I kid you not, the three guys in the band that are that uh, the bass player, the keyboard player, steel guitar, fiddle player. And the guitar, uh, Dwight's guitarist, kid you not? they all are wearing rhinestones that Dwight used to wear. like if you look at if you look like from his vid is you know late eight you know when he first came on the scene in 1986 to like you know the most of the 90s, they're wearing the same jackets that Dwight used to wear. and I just I think they're phenomenal. I'm really glad that Dwight got them. In his band, um, these guys, because they're just, they play their asses off. And I'm simply amazed by just how wonderful they are. And, I mean, the the songs, the playlists. Oh, my God, the songs. You know, Please, Please Baby, Streets of Bakersfield. You know, Always Late With Your Kisses. Um, um, Thousand Miles From Nowhere, Fast As You. Um, you know, Guitar's Cadillac, Honky Tonk Man. I mean, it was one wonderful song after the other and he also did a beautiful tribute to his friend Merle Haggard now I saw Dwight in 2017 and it was a fantastic show too what I liked this time around that Dwight did not do in 2017 was that Dwight did a medley of Merle Haggard's music when I saw him in 2017 and great songs mind you you know uh, did Swinging Doors uh Silver Wings, Mama Tried, but they were, it was a medley. This time, Dwight played those Merle Haggard songs all the way through. So he did, you know, Time the Bottle Let Me Down, he did Swinging Doors, which I went nuts over, and Okie from Muskogee, which Jennifer absolutely loved as well, you know. Um, cut. I mean, it's a great, great song, and I will say this, Merle Haggard once said that that song is about pride. It's not about, it's not a rah-rah right-winger song. No, it's not about that at all. And Merle was a very different person when he wrote that song in 1969, you know, and I knew he grew a lot beyond that and still, you know, he was a patriotic man until the day he died. And I always loved that about Merle. He was always very much a supporter of the troops and, you know, he didn't piss on America, but at the same time, he wasn't afraid to question it when it got things wrong. And there's something to be said about that. That's you know, just I'm not a fan of blind patriotism. Does that make sense? You know, I'm just I'm just not. Never have been. And there's too much of that walking around. Merle Haggard was not that person. But you know, I digress. Dwight Yoakam, um, the reason he did that beautiful tribute is because he was friends with Merle and he was friends with Buck Owens. Those two men inspired Dwight's sound. And you know, Dwight always said is one part of the 60s Bakersfield sound of Buck and and Merle Haggard. But he also is part of that classic rock, you know, era. The Beatles, the Rolling Stones, um, the Eagles, Queen, you know, I mean, you know, like just phenomenal, phenomenal bands. Um that just totally, totally changed, you know, our Perception of what rock music could be. Oh, and Dwight also mentioned He also mentioned Um the the new uh Beatles uh documentary, Get Back, which is on Disney Plus. It's an eight hour documentary and three parts to it, which I'm excited to see with Jen, and we'll tell you a little bit about it after we see it. But um I'm glad Dwight mentioned he almost in his encore when he did Suspicious Minds, I kid you not. Dwight almost, uh, got into, you know, I got a feeling by the Beatles and, and the, the, the guitar chords in the beginning actually sound similar. So he almost fooled the audience. And I love that, but no, it was a rockin, it was a rockin night of, you know, wonderful country music that I grew up listening to. And I've always admired Dwight's sound. I mentioned him in an episode of season one and, you know, Dwight's sound was always authentic. It was always, that beautiful mixture of traditional country music and classic rock he writes most of his own songs dwight and he is very real with the audience he sucks you in quickly and keeps you there and he's done that on every album he's made from guitars cadillac etc etc to swimming pools movie stars which is his bluegrass album that he made six years ago and i hope they'll do i hope there will be new music soon dwight because it's been a long time and we really love being to drop some new stuff so I'm hoping he'll um, he'll oblige us soon, and I can't wait. to I hope he'll come back to Florida soon. Um, and we'll be right back with you because we got to take a commercial break, but we'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, so Dwight's music is not the only music that I've been excited for you know, in the last several weeks since I bought the tickets. Another artist that I have been listening to, you know, with a strong amount of passion and excitement has been John Mellencamp. And I have referred to him as that name because that's how he's gone as since 1991. I have some people that still ask me, is he still John Cougar Mellencamp? And I went, no, he hasn't been since 1991, but... Um, and that was from, um, his album, whatever we wanted, which is a great album. And his, um, his last wife, uh, Elaine, uh, and him met on the video for get a leg up and she was on the album cover and, um, the album is fantastic by the way. Um, a lot of great songs on there. If you have, if you don't have that in vinyl, or CD, it's well worth getting, if you listen to CDs. Or on Amazon Music or Spotify, if you still listen to Spotify. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. Uh, great songs on here, including Love and Happiness, Now More Than Ever, uh, Get a Leg Up, Ooh, Again Tonight. Oh, that's a great song. That's a great song. Um, but yeah, the reason I've been listening to John Mellencamp a lot lately is not just because he did a wonderful set at Farm Aid last year. But the other reason is because of his wonderful, wonderful new album that is called Strictly a One-Eyed Jack. And I have to say, um, this is his first album of original music in five years. It has been five years since his last album of original music. And I say five years because in 2018, he made an album called Other People's Stuff, which were essentially a... um, a collection of cover tunes the um, that he well cover tunes and to the rivers from the human wheels album let me see if he wrote that one real quick let me check that real quick ladies and gentlemen did he write that one yes he did he co-wrote that song okay so um but like you know the most part there's um there's cover songs there for the most part and you know they're absolutely fantastic but I gotta say to hear John put out new blood is just absolutely fantastic and his son speck uh actually painted the album cover which if you haven't seen it yet um there's a patch over john's eye and he he looks as if he's gonna make you walk the plank it really does but so yeah the album um is just absolutely fantastic and in a way what i like about it is It, um, it is very much, it very much has its rock and roll side to it. And I say that because there are three songs on the album with John's very good friend, Bruce Springsteen. Did You Say Such a Thing? Wasted Days, which I've been hearing on radio, particularly Outlaw Country on uh, Sirius XM. A lot, a lot since it came out uh, a few months ago. Um, A Life Full of Rain. And I just got to say, the album is just, it's very moving, and I think it also, um, it talks a lot about, um, this crazy, crazy, crazy world that we live in, you know what I mean? I mean, you know, the songs, I Always Lie to Strangers, that's a great song, which he got to do at, um, he did at Farm Aid. And he said, um, he wrote the uh, song. It basically says the average person hears about, you know, several hundred lies in a day. You know, he said to the Associated Press, you're watching television. You're watching false advertising. You watch the news. I don't care which side of the rope you swing on. You're hearing lies. If you go to church, you hear lies. And he said, you know, well, I don't really do that. But a lot of people... but." You know, I guess maybe I do, but I guess maybe everybody else does. Um, He did a little research. He says the average person hears about three to four hundred lies in a day because you turn on news, you get lies, turn on advertising, you get lies, turn on people, and they'll lie to you. Even as simple as how are you doing today? I'm doing great. No, they're not. But they'll say it anyway. So it, it was just that simple thought that led to the song. And, you know, probably also, I think when I heard the song, I had chills because I thought to myself, wow, yeah, when, we're, especially when, when we as human beings are in a really shitty mood, we'll lie through our teeth, you know, to strangers. And, you know, generally speaking, so, you know, we're not seen as Debbie Downers because there's a lot of those in the world and you know, I, I don't think John is a Dennis Downer. I don't think he is. But I also know he's a very authentic person and he's very real. He's never one to lie, and he's never one to, you know, hide behind rose-colored glasses, which I always liked about him. You know, um, Sweet Honey Brown, um, it's a love song to a woman, uh, it's really, really beautiful, but John also says the song's about heroin, so don't, 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 don't get it twisted, like, you know, it's, it's about one thing, but for other people, probably a bit. Oh, it's gonna make me think about my woman tonight. But it's it's a really it's still a really good song all the same. Um, Gone so soon? That's a really it's a really really good song. Uh, it's about a relationship that's come to an end. Wasted days, which helps people remember to enjoy every sandwich, as Warren, the late Warren Zevon once said. Um, and to really 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 um, embrace every summer that comes. Embrace you know every leaf that falls off of a tree embrace, you know, every weird moment you have with your in-laws, you know, but, um, Chasing Rainbows, that's a great song on the album, um, and it advises people to recognize your blessings. Money doesn't buy happiness. It's the time you spend with your family, and it's the time that it's, um, you know, little things like, you know, having a meal with your friends or with your wife or with your, you know, your, your family, um, or it's, you know, maybe, you know, watching Jeopardy or watching South Park with your, um, with people that you love or, you know, people that you care about. It's really, really embracing those things. Um, And I happen to like Sweet Honey Brown. I didn't know it was about heroin, but <laughs> that's not an endorsement of it. Don't worry, folks. Uh, it's, uh, it's still, the album is absolutely raw and it embraces, it, it infuses folk and blues and rock and roll Together so well. I have been waiting for John to work with uh, Bruce Springsteen for a long, long time. And I I didn't even know the two of them were friends. But, you know, as John puts it, they're kindred spirits. I'm like, well, it's the same thing as a friend, especially if you're a rebel in this business, like Mellencamp is. But, you know, I think, like, like Dwight Mellencamp is very much a rebel. And he very much um, is someone that, um, how do I say this? Um, It is about... um, Those guys are just rebellious and they're very, you know, outspoken and they tell the truth. You know, John even said on a duet he did with Travis Tritt years ago called What Say You? There's a line in the chorus where John says, uh, I don't like lies. I'd rather know the truth. And that's one thing I've always loved about John Mellencamp is that you always get the truth whether you like it or not. And... You know, I've always seen that in John. I will say this, though. Um, this side of John, what we've seen of John in the last 20 years, it's a very different John Mellencamp than the Mellencamp we saw of nineteen, you know, 1982 when American Fool came out. You know, and when Scarecrow came out in, you know, 1985. And, you know, just... I'm not saying that those songs... Jack and Diane, Hurt So Good, Small Town, one of my favorite songs in the world, R.O.C.K. and USA, great song. Uh, Jackie Brown is a great song. That's from Big Daddy. That's a great That's a great song. Uh, Lonely Old Night, that's a great song. What I'm saying is, Rain on the Scarecrow, that's a good song. That's from the Scarecrow album. What I'm saying is that John's music reflects more of the singer-songwriter in him. The Bob Dylan side of things, the Woody Guthrie side of things, the, you know, Pete Seeger, I'd say probably more Dylan than anybody else. And the two of them are very good friends. And, you know, when I hear Dylan's music and he takes on the hypocrisies in our world and Mellencamp, who's wonderful taking on the hypocrisies and the the absurdity in our society, they just, both those men just capture it so brilliantly, you know, in lyrics and in music and, you know. And it captures your attention. And, you know... And I've, and I've never referred to John as a song and dance man. Yeah, I mean, his early stuff probably made you dance and got you going and made you think, too. But I've noticed, you know, probably as early as, you know, 2001 when he made Cutting Heads and made a song, Peaceful World, with Indy Are, I like that John has, you know, embraced more of that singer-songwriter in him. And same with an album he made in 2003, Trouble More, which is a collection of folk tunes called Stones of My Pathway," Death Letter, Teardrops Will Fall, um, To Washington, um, just wonderful song. And John wrote that, um, in response to America entering, you know, invading Iraq in 2003, he very much was against that. And he very much called out, you know, Bush 43 for that. And he made this be- this warm, very beautiful song called To Washington. And he performed it at Farming and got booed by a good portion of the crowd. But not loud enough that, you know, you know, John couldn't, you know, the, you couldn't hear John sing at that, cra- at that event. And I love John's response to it all. He says, wait a minute, this isn't my third album. And I don't care what you think of me anymore. I really don't. And on top of the fact, John was right. You know, um... I mean, just the lyrics itself. You know, the um, when he's tackling, you know, the eight years of prosperity and peace we had under Bill Clinton, and then the the the, the craziness of the 2000 election and the hanging chads, and it's just. <laughs> and, and, and what John did with that song is just—he made it contemporary because it's an old—it's from an old Woody Guthrie song. But what I really like that John did was he just took it and just made it contemporary and in the music video John is singing on the steps of the Capitol and there are quotes going across the screen from you know Ike and John F Kennedy and Albert Einstein and you know, Dwight you know just I, I was just, I don't know. I just, I just love that song. I just absolutely love that song so much. And I think it's just, it was important when it was made in 2003. And it was just, you know, it's one of the best songs that John's ever made. It really is. And, um, ever since that album, he's really, really gone deep into, you know, that, that singer songwriter part of John. He's gotten away from being a rock star. But that element of rock and roll is still with John. I mean, you know, you can't escape it. But do I think he's embraced more of the Bob Dylan, Woody Guthrie side of him, you know, in the last 20 years of his career? Yeah, absolutely. I see it on, you know, his songs that have come afterwards, you know, Walk Tall, Our Country, um, Troubled Land, you know, um, Longest Days, um, Save Some Time to Dream. Uh, troubled Man, um, The West End, um, you know, I just, you know, uh, Easy Target, which he made off, you know, and Hillbillies, um, which was his last studio album, um, just the level of excellence that John has brought to the game and still bringing at 70 years old. I'm just, I'm so happy for John. I'm proud of him. And by the way, How the hell that album only made it to number 196 on the Billboard 200 pop charts, it just shocks me. It made it to number five on the folk folk charts, so, you know, I will say this, there are people out there that love John's music, and I'm very glad that, you know, he's getting really good reviews, you know, Rolling Stone, three and a half stars, um, Daily Telegraph, three and a half out of five stars, um... Pop Matters, 8 out of 10, you know, and I'll just say this, in a world where there's way too much auto-tune, there's way much superficiality in music, when I hear legends like John Mellencamp or, you know, U2 or Paul Simon or Bruce Springsteen, you know, or Elvis Costello or, you know, who else? Be in that group. When I hear people that have just been doing it forever, and they're still making great music, and they're still, still pounding it and pushing that rock up the hill, and telling the truth about our world that needs to be told, and I'm Dylan as well. Dylan, I'll put in that group as well. When I see that, it just makes me smile. It just makes my heart cry. Oh, I love it, and I'm really glad that John's new album uh, is not is available in vinyl and in CD or on uh, Spotify or Amazon. Uh, it's called Strictly a One-Eyed Jack. If you haven't heard it, absolutely fantastic. And, um, you know, every song on there is really good. Even Sweet Honey Brown. <laughs> anyway, we got to take another commercial break and we'll be right back. Don't go away. Alex PSA. And Just Like That is one of the best shows of this television season. It deserves another season. Uh The writing is flawless. Sarah Jessica Parker, Kristen Davis, Cynthia Nixon, all three together. A wonderful, wonderful trio. Am I sad that Samantha wasn't there to become part of the Fab Four? Nah, but... She had her own things to figure out, just like Kim Cattrall has to. Uh But in my professional opinion, and in the opinion of Jennifer, dear, Uh we believe Uh the writing of And Just Like That, Uh and the acting, and the honesty in every episode, Uh talking about whether sex, or relationships, or family, Uh or faith. Right. or even race at times. Mm-hmm. These honest conversations need to be had. Need to be had. Need All to be right. happen in our society. Mm-hmm. And I believe HBO Max is a great venue for that. Mm-hmm. And a great venue for this show. Mm-hmm. And we are hoping. Because Sarah Jessica's already wants to do another season. Their runner, their showrunner Michael Patrick King has said yes. Mm-hmm. So I say Fans. Who have flocked to this show in all 10 episodes, uh-huh. please tell HBO Max another season needs to happen. Yeah. What do you say, babe? I say, yay. Another season. Another season, 10 more episodes, please. HBO Max, we are begging you, 10 more episodes. Uh-huh. And now, back to the show. back welcome back um and as we close this episode of the aspie files i want to make a quick programming note um we have a new contributor joining us soon yes our friend ron's going to be joining us as an aspie files contributor um he's the second one we've hired we have richard and now we have ron and oh ron is hilarious and witty and never fails to make me laugh never fails to make very pointed statements like i have made on this program and I expect the same from him. It's going to be an interesting uh, addition to our wonderful family here. But I want to close this episode with something very important, ladies and gentlemen. Now, I know we've done our mention of great music, uh, but I want to switch over to the television uh, aspect because Jennifer and I have found yet another wonderful series on Amazon. This is the third series on Amazon that we've been excited to see. And it's called As We See It. And it was created by Mr. Jason Katzman. Cat. Katnitz, who is who, um, is a, uh, television writer and producer. And, you know, you may know him for his work on shows like Roswell, Friday Night Lights and Parenthood. And I must say, um, this is, I think this is his best work. You know, um, I love Parenthood and I think he did a fabulous job working on that program. But this is, oh my god, this, as as we see it, it's the name of the series, and it's unbelievably fantastic. And it's based on an Israeli series called On the Spectrum, and as you could guess, it is about a subject that's very important to my heart. It's about three roommates, Jack, Harrison, and Violet, who are on the autism spectrum, and they're well aware that they're on the spectrum. But what I love about them is that they, like me strive to be independent, they strive to keep jobs, make friends, fall in love, and navigate in a world that, and this is a quote from Wikipedia, eludes them. I would say at times shuns them, and I, would just am sure it's the you know, same thing, but what is getting them through this is the love of family and their aide, uh, Mandy, who's played by one of Flaggers named Sosie Bacon, who um, is the um, uh, daughter of Kevin Bacon, and... Um, it's just uh, – she is – so. Sosi is absolutely wonderful with Jack, Harrison, and Violet. And I want to talk a little bit about Jack, who's played by Rick Glassman. Uh, Harrison, who's played by Albert uh, Rutke. He's a wonderful singer, by the way. He um, he sang um, Hallelujah with um, Violet and Mandy in a, an episode um, by a Leonard Cohen. Wonderful song, by the way. And it's been covered by Jeff Buckley, Rufus Rainwhite. White. Um, Imogen Heap has recorded that song. They're really good if you've not heard Imogen Heap. Um, But I want to get into um, how each of these three people... I can relate to Jack, Harrison, and Violet in so many levels. Now, Jack, he uh, works for a publishing company, and he is very honest. He um, has the same facial expression, and he can't read, and like many people on the spectrum... uh, he can, he can not read facial expressions, and he has very difficulty with empathy. He's a very honest person. He gets everything out there. And sometimes it sounds blunt, and it sounds hurtful at times. And there are times I'm like, whoa, 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 Jack, hold on. <laughs> um, but he's also dealing with a lot, too. He's trying to deal with holding on a job that you know, doesn't pay him... The best salary, but it's paying him pretty good. At least he's able to stay in his apartment. On top of the fact, his father, who's played by Joe Mantenga, who um, many of you would know from um, uh, Criminal Minds. He was in Criminal Minds, um, where he played um, Special Agent David Rossi. I I never saw the show, but I remember his face. I remember him on that show, Shamar Moore, Aisha Tyler, and... um, this dude out there, I don't remember his name, but he has very um cool hair like I do. Uh let me get up get his name in there real quick here. Um Because I, I hope I hope that he'll do our program one day. That would that would be nice. Uh what was that guy saying? He has really cool hair. I just have I just have to say that real quick. Uh Matthew Gray Goblin, yes, that's who he is. He um he played Spencer Reed on the show. R- really talented gentleman. Very, very talented. I saw, so, I've seen bits and pieces of the show they've aired in reruns on um, ION which airs a lot of the crime dramas that show you know Hawaii 5 Blue Blood's my favorite uh, Law and Order Special Victims Unit um, but I want, so in this series Jack is I think of the three he's the most independent you know he works he, makes the, he does the job that has the most money and he also tries to conceal the fact that he has Asperger's to everyone. He fears people knowing that he's on the spectrum. And I, I have those same fears at times when I'm talking to people. I'm mean, like, I hope no one picks up on the fact that I'm on the spectrum, you know. But in, in some cases, this is a um, it's very difficult to pick up on the fact with some cases, but in his case there are people that know. And he's also on the fact that his father, who's played by Joe Mantenga, is dying of cancer. He knows his father's gonna die. His father's now concerned, and he's raised Jack mostly on his own. Mostly, um, I hope if the series gets a second season, which it definitely deserves, that we'll find out what happened to Jack. We'll find out little, Jack's mom will hopefully come back. I hope that would that would be nice. Um, I think most people, no matter how complicated their relationship with my with their mother is or father is, and Lord knows I have had complications with both of my parents, um, we still want to have some sense of, you know, what happened, you know, is, can, can this be resolved? Can we try to be a family? Things like that. But Jack's one of those people, he's very, very held on being independent, but he also spends money like a drunken sailor. I've seen that in certain things. I'm like, how much did you spend on that Roomba again? He was in the first episode. He's very obsessed with getting a Roomba. I've never owned those things myself, but, um, but he's, I love his honesty, I love his confidence. Uh, if he could just learn to have a little bit of empathy, he can, and in each episode he learns how to gain a bit of empathy, it takes him a while. But I, I think his father's diagnosis made him go, ah, oh, I gotta stop making this about me, because my dad will die one day, what will happen to me after my dad dies. Uh, Violet who's played by Sue Pin. Pinn, um, is very talented, very, oh my God, Violet is wonderful. She um, she works out an Arby's and What I love about her is that she has these little cards which would um, work behind the counter before they'd send her to the back to prepare the uh, sandwiches. She would have these cards of what to say to the customers. Now, I can speak as a person who's worked in a call center. I can safely say that when I worked in level one, I always needed my script in handy. I constantly needed it. when you're getting you know, inbound calls, your first thought is inbound is when the calls come to you. Outbound is when you're making the calls. Um, when you're getting those calls in, you just want to know what to say. You just want to make sure that it all sounds crystal clear. And even when I make outbound calls this day, I'm scrolling down to say, thank you for calling Ram Customer Care. Or I'll say, thank you. You know, Hi, this is Alex with Ram Customer Care. Um, so-and-so, and you talk about the customer and... Um, where the status of the core of the vehicle is, but with Violet, yeah, she works at Arby's and she's trying to. She's trying to function as a human being. She is incredibly confident as well, um, but she has empathy and she's able to not. Only, and then she struggles to read people's emotions, but yet she is not afraid to show them as well. I mean, I've seen her just. Cry over things And it's like, oh yeah, if that happened to me, I would have been upset too. And but she also is very she wants to, she wants to be quote unquote normal, which I even that word too irks me. It's like tolerance and normal. It's like, well, what's normal these days? Like, why, why, who sets the bar for normal? Is it the government? Is it the media? Is it pop culture? Is it social media? Like, what, who sets that tone? And should that word be erased from our society? I don't know. You tell me. But I'm not a fan of it. But what I love about Violet is that she's living her truth and she is so happy to be alive. And she just wants all the things that anyone who's on the spectrum or who's not on the spectrum want. They want someone. They want to be able to date. They want to be able to fall in love. They want to be able to go out with friends. They want to be able to have a great social life. But for people on the spectrum, it is fucking hard because we're constantly dealing with social anxiety and social insecurities it's a lot to pack in it really is and her brother uh van is um incredibly overprotective but he's also been trying to be what their mom and dad wasn't always to them and i think at times he was way too strict and tried to be her father and try to act like she was 13 years old when she's not she's in her mid-20s as Harrison and Jack are but she just wants to do the things that her friends at work do and when she sees her friend Mandy she wants a great boyfriend you know like she has with Mandy has with Joel who um in the series Mandy's their aide and she uh, her boyfriend gets an offer to move to a different city and Joel wants Mandy to go with him and leave Harrison, Jack, and Violet behind. Now, we got to get to Harrison now, too. We haven't got to Harrison yet. Harrison makes me laugh. He is unbelievably funny and has a heart of gold. He is unbelievably just um, so kind and so sweet. And he loves game shows, too, like me. One of the early episodes, you see him as a huge fan of The Price is Right with Drew Carey. And I, 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 I will say this, though. Drew was the perfect host for that show. He's now been hosting it now— since 2007, and he's been doing, he's done a fabulous job with it, and I'm just, I'm so happy for Drew that he's going into 15 years hosting it, and it's still a fabulous show. And he also is a fan of Harrison's. Also, a fan of Wheel of Fortune and Family Feud as well. And I'm still hoping that Drew Carey or Pat Sajak St. or Steve Harvey will make cameos in the show. That would be awesome. It'd be epic for me. Um, but Harrison's a guy that very rarely leaves his apartment because he has not just social anxiety. But he is highly sensitive to sight, as people on the spectrum are. All of our senses are off the charts. So a dog barking would set off all the neurons in his brain. Um, just um, someone you know, trimming hedges would... Like that, that's torture to me. A motorcycle would set him off. He was afraid to even get on a school bus. And he was also afraid not school bus the the city bus and he was also afraid to even walk to a coffee shop but with the help of mandy he was able to walk to a coffee shop take a bus to pursue a love interest with um a fitness instructor who's also a porn star (laughs) uh the, the harrison jack and violet discovered that in an episode too that was funny it's just wonderful to see them discover the world and see that with the help of people like mandy and, you know, good friends and, you know, that they can do all the things they do. I mean, Jack got a girlfriend in the show and, you know, a lot of good happened with that. Violet got a boyfriend and, well, I'll, I don't want to get too much into that because that was a tough, that was, that was, you know, there it was, it was some challenges there. I will say that. Um, what I love about Mandy is that she helps them all of them know that they can be anything they want to be. That society is wrong to write them off. And I see that happen frequently in the show. And it just, there are times, and I, t- I told my wife this, it, 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 there are times I'm laughing in the show because there's great moments that are happening and funny moments because they're all just naturally funny. But there are also moments that make me cry. And there's also moments that make me just furious at times. Like when Van's too protective with Violet, or when someone just rejects Harrison because they think he's a freak or he's a weirdo. Or because Jack was just trying to get information about his dad and couldn't get it. Or someone just looked at him in a weird way and Jack was bluntly honest with him. And he, like, Jack says the things that I think you wish you could say, but you're afraid to say. I've always equated it to people like Jon Stewart, Chris Rock, and Bill Maher. Like, they say the things that people otherwise would be afraid to say. That's why I admire comedians. And Jack could probably be a really good stand-up comedian if he wanted to. I'm not sure if he's going to be, but uh, that'd be an interesting plot for season two, if there is one. I mean, the reviews in the show have been utterly, fan- uh, utterly fantastic. They have been thunderous critical praise, and I'm just, I'm very happy that um, the series explores these three wonderful individuals as people that can do great things in life, and that are capable of being independent. They just need extra assistance. Well, that's all we need. And that's all I've asked for in the first two seasons of this podcast and I will continue to do so as long as this podcast continues. And that'll depend on all of you listening and telling your friends and your family and your coworkers, even your boss, even your accountant, even your lawyer, even the person at the comic book store or at Publix or wherever you get groceries, Win dixie it don't really matter. Um, just all i asking for as a person on the spectrum. And this year is 20 years since my diagnosis. I was diagnosed in April of, April of 2002, I was diagnosed. I can safely say, I thank God for my diagnosis every day. I thank God that my family was there for me, that I had good teachers, occupational therapists, speech pathologists, and good friends. And you know, one of them I've known for 25 years, who I'm actually going to email after... We uh, do our little sign off um, that have been on my side and have constantly been there for me and have constantly encouraged me that I could do anything I want to do in life. And most importantly, my wife, Jennifer, baby, I love you so much. Thank you so much for loving me and being there for me and putting up with my weird shit and, you know, and my drunkenness. But, you know, I'm not that person anymore. and Thankfully, I don't use alcohol or pot to alleviate a problem. It still won't be there. So you just got to find a better way to handle it. And I think with good friends and family and still maintaining your sense of humor and your sense of dignity, your sense of worth, that, you know, we on the spectrum can do anything, anything is possible with just a little bit of encouragement and a lot more acceptance. That's the, that's the key things I'm asking for. But yeah, that's the show I would highly recommend you see along with the other ones that we've mentioned the last couple of episodes. and that about wraps up this episode of the Ask Me Files. We hope that you've enjoyed this program. Remember, you can listen to us on uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Radio, uh, Public Breaker, wherever you get your podcasts. Please tell all your friends, family, and even the person you meet at the line when you're buying tickets to uh, see Coldplay if they tour this season, um, which they should. They have a wonderful new album out, uh, which I can't wait to talk about. Um, Please, tell all your friends about the Aspie Files. And as we sign off, we say, read that book. Take that walk. Have that piece of cheesecake. Um, ask the girl to dance, guys. Ladies, reach out to the guy that you're really interested in, that maybe is a little shy, maybe in the spectrum like we are. Um, call your f- friends, call your family. Tell them that you love them, because tomorrow's not guaranteed, you know. Let's live in the present. Let's be good people in these trying times we're living in. We thank you for listening to the ASPE files, and we'll see you next time.